from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. There's like a rule in the St. Louis city. There's all these new codes that have been built because of City Museum that like, like, like addendums on like how to code build a treehouse inside of a building. There really was no script, and I think the, my biggest takeaway now, zooming out, is is Bob kind of taught all of us is like don't let anybody be teach you to be afraid of your ideas because if you just push for it, it'll kind of come into focus. And I remember him just looking at me and saying, like, you're only nervous because you're scared. <laughs> I remember looking back like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm still like an awe Kurt. Like, I'll go to Kurt, like, every single day and be like, all right, here's this crazy thing I drew on a napkin. It's like some crazy dragon squid creature. Um, here's, like, your crew. It's just like a bunch of alcoholic morons I hired off the street. Like, here's all your tools. Like, Easy. all of them are broken. And here's your <laughs> materials. It's just like all this garbage I've been collecting for years. And when you're done, like, little children are going to climb all over. And Kurt would just, like, deliver on that every day for mm-hmm. 30 years. I'm Sarah Fenske. City Museum is celebrating 25 years of being one of the most epic playgrounds in the U.S., if not the most epic. There's nothing you can't touch in this St. Louis destination. For curious visitors, it's a wonderland, and temporarily losing your parent or your child is really just part of the deal. Bob Cassily and his crew spent more than two decades dreaming up new sculptures, caves, and slides. They even figured out how to secure a school bus seemingly dangling over the edge of the roof. Our producer Kayla Drake recently stopped by to ask people about their favorite city museum places and things. A 500-foot concrete serpent greets visitors in the parking lot, and an epic dinosaur forms the entrance staircase, complete with rainbow rollers. Clearly, the museum sticks out to visitors. In fact, it's become a tourist destination for the city. Jackson St. Paul from Chicago describes his first impression, but his brother Dominic isn't so sure. Um, I like how there's a lot of stuff that you can climb on. That freaks me out. Their mom, Angela, is already a fan at first sight. To me, it's cool. The architecture part of it is awesome. The ins and outs, how some are stairs, some are like slides. It's, it's dope. There's around 30 slides in the museum, but no one has actually ever confirmed a complete count. Here, the St. Paul's take their first ride down a slide. Go ahead, Dominic. It goes fast. It goes fast. Christian Martinez and Luis Gutierrez are developers from Miami. They noticed the rooftop bus during a business meeting and had to see it in person. It's fine, yeah, it's cool. It, it, it looks for me, it's very industrial, obviously, but it's really surprising that adults and kids can have the same fun. So it's really nice to see that Alice and Luis have something that we as a grown-up can feel like a little kids again. Describing the museum to someone who hasn't been there before is a hard task. The word museum typically throws people off, but I ask visitors to try. Different, wild, creative, basically like, just like, regga It's kind of one of a kind, because there's like nothing like it. 
all the cool tunnels, like the slides. It's so awesome, and you meet like new people. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's like a dollhouse, and it's like, yeah, un unbelievable things. This is how I used, usually tell people. I just say it's like a giant jungle gym. Like it's just like a huge uh, outside playground indoors. It, you feel like a monkey, climbing on stuff, going down stuff, and you know, running around, having my dad chase me, and laughing at my daddy going through small spaces. It was definitely a sacrifice, and now I'm taking my reward. <laughs> that reward is an alcoholic slushie, something probably added later for parents' sakes. For those of you who have never been to the museum, and for those of you who haven't visited in a while, seven-year-old Lauren Tolliver has a message. I just want to say you should definitely come here if you haven't went here. And that was producer Kayla Drake from City Museum. Now, maybe you're ready to head over there now for some climbing fun and a boozy slushy. But before you go, joining me now with the inside story on how City Museum became what it is today are three members of the Castley crew. This crew of self-described, quote, staunch advocates of risky play and, quote, designers, fabricators, and non-compliance hasn't just welded and sculpted the building's many features. They've also given it its anarchic spirit. And and joining us now is Dave Bloom. He's a former Castle crew member and co-owner of Skate Laborious and also Such and Such Farms. Dave, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. And we're also joined today by Joe Backus. He is a former crew member and he is the founder of BLA Studios. Joe, welcome. Thank you. And last but not least, we're joined today by Leif Armantrout. He has been part of the construction crew at City Museum for the past 12 years. Leif, welcome. Thanks. So, Leif, you've said that City Museum is where kids and maybe adults, too, go to conquer their fears. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, it's a place that kind of uh, pushes people's buttons and boundaries. I mean, I think there's a lot of things uh, built specifically for that. Um, I think that uh, there are things that people don't even realize that they need to sort of get over. And the, the museum makes a great format to, to have that happen. And so working there, does it have that same impact that you had to, to conquer your fears on some of these things that were involved in, in putting all this together? <laughs> no, I don't have those fears. <laughs> After spending months in uh, stupid high places and in tiny little tiny holes, yeah. uh, I'm not claustrophobic and I am not afraid of heights. Yeah. No fears oh, left. But it, but it's okay for me to like poke at other people's fears and help them get past it. Mm -hmm. Dave, is this kind of a self-selected group where nobody would want to be part of the Castley crew if they're not initially just kind of down for anything? I mean, there is, there is definitely especially when Bob was around, there was a definite like weeding out process that happened. I mean, I remember my like interview was like, I knew someone and Bob came up. He's like, Oh yeah, do you know how to weld? my like, yeah. And he like grabbed my hands and like felt them for calluses. And I was like, Oh, that was pretty rough hands. All right. Like, until, like that was like, he's like, all right, show tomorrow. And, and that there was definitely like an attempt to like almost a direct attempt to kind of like see what new people who are coming on the crew were made of and to make sure that, they could do what they said they could do because a lot of times they couldn't. They'd come talking all their big game and then they'd show up and they can't do anything. Or that they were scared of heights or afraid of this or afraid of that. And Bob was really good about putting people in extremely awkward situations and making them quit. Yeah. Yeah. It was always like a trial by fire yes. for everything, trying to get on there. I mean, when I started Cementland, 
uh, he basically told me to power wash the side of a building, and then I realized for it was months, a, months, yeah, months. Then I realized it was like three months, straight. ten story, I don't know, yeah. five hundred feet long uh, side of a building. On a man lift. Yeah, and he didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, and the man, you had to go up this crazy mud hill to get up there on a man lift. And, yeah, and all the safeties were out on the mail. Usually, man lift if you're out of level, it like beeps at you, but that one didn't beep anymore. <laughs> so you could totally tip it over. Yeah. Like it was super. Yeah. yeah, and we should say Cementland was Bob Cassily's great sort of unfinished uh, project. This mm-hmm. is something he was doing in in uh, deep North City, right on the edge of North County. Yeah, um, split between Riverview and North St. Louis. Okay, so, like so actually the, also in the county. Yeah. yeah, and this was this huge project. A lot of you guys also put a ton of work yeah. into this project. Yeah. This idea of the thing didn't beep when it was supposed to beep. I imagine that beeping was was sort of a safety measure. Were there not always a ton of safety measures on some of these sites? Uh, uh, not really. No. I mean, it was just kind of like, I think Dave describes it well, where it's like kind of a Mad Max utopia art piece that was going on. And uh, especially like I always thought it was funny when you're in between the city and the county is when the uh, inspectors would come in and give you a stop work order, and then you just walk, walk over onto the, the county line, line and Bob start that, working Dan, on this Bob side. Bob did yeah. that dance for years. Like, the Riverview <laughs> people would show up. He's like, oh, we're only working on the St. Louis side. The yeah. St. Louis people, he's like, no, we're working on the Riverview side. Yeah, and, like, yeah. he did that for Depends years. Depends on who shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where, where yeah. you're working for the day. Like, and I no, think no, no, all, no, no. Well, I think also, <laughs> like, you know, be, having kind of those weird environments kind of makes you kind of better crafts than what you do. Like, I remember the forklifted cement land, like, didn't have any brakes, so the way you did brakes is you had to slam it into reverse, and if you use a forklift like that, off-roading it when it's made to be on flat, flat ground, ground yeah. slamming it into reverse to stop, when you get on a real forklift on real ground, you're like, there's nothing to this thing. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. like, it made you better at, at your job. I, I suppose. Maybe. still not that great at operating. I'm <laughs> yeah, still not a very good forklift <laughs> operator. <laughs> yeah. Well, so look, I mean, you're talking about how Bob got away with some of these things out at, out at cement land. The first thing I always hear from out-of-towners after they've gone to City Museum is they say, how is this even allowed? Like, they love it. They have the best time of their lives, but they're saying, the city signed off on this. Do you know how Bob made that work? Surely the city building codes weren't ready for some of the stuff he wanted to do. So my understanding, and I mean, you guys know this, is that like... um, well, for one, like I think uh, Ted, Ted Lamon was a guy who worked for Bob for a long time and helped kind of do some survey and engineering stuff. And I mean, there was like structural calcs and stuff done on everything. There's drawings done. It's just sort of like the process sort of a lot of times got done in reverse. Like typically, at least when Bob was alive, you know, normally you would like draw what you're proposing to build and send it off for plan review. The city review it and make changes. And then you go and build it. They do, you know, footing inspections and a series of inspections. And then finally you're allowed to open it. Whereas I think we would just build something and then after it was they're, built have architects draw it and then chase him behind and chase him behind us and then yeah. after it's done the, the city goes to but they're like oh no we're already done look it's done and Bob's yeah. city museum passes for everyone and he would hand them out and you know and but everything was so overbuilt and that like you yeah. know it's like for example like if you're like oh this this footbridge needs to be able to hold 20 people it's like well we'll just build it so it can hold like 10 dump trucks and then we don't have to worry about it and like use a lot of these large and you know just overbuild everything so that even if someone's like i'm not even sure how to like calculate the load on it's like do you have to it's out of like three inch thick steel girders there's plenty of things though that yeah there's that are overbuilt but then there's also aspects of things where building code goes through and says you've got you know uh picket spacing needs to be this but like ultimately we find we find out that things have to be closer than that you know the the public doesn't you know if if we build it to building code the it's not good for the public so we go that next step step and say like the pickets need to be closer together because the picket becomes the floor and something like that. Yeah. So you little tiny feet, you don't want them going through. They got to be able to walk on it. So there are things that to from an outsider's perspective
perspective, it looks super unsafe, and how do we get by with it? But when you really actually go there with a the tape measure and start measuring things, it's it's, it's actually way over. Way what over. It needs to be. Yo, Ted told me though, and then that uh, there's I think I think it was Ted that there's like a rule in the St. Louis city. There's all these new codes that have been built because of city museum that like 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 addendums on like how to code build a treehouse inside of a building and like all yeah. these other hmm. things because like you know, like the first person you know Bob's the first guy to do a bunch of this stuff and like how much of that even for us at least like real or folklore or whatever yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not yeah. sure but, but that's but, at least the legend yeah. <laughs> we should print it so look something we should mention here for people who aren't familiar with how all this worked you know this opened its doors to the public 25 years ago but part of what makes it the city museum is that it, it wasn't finished at that point wasn't even close I mean Leaf you've said the crew used to say nothing is sacred everything could be changed yeah yeah I mean th- there is a degree of that I mean there I think we've we've changed that now I think it, there was things were more, more mutable when Bob was around because it was Bob's say if Bob wanted to rip it out we ripped it out I mean there would be things we would work a couple of weeks on and then all of a sudden we come in after the weekend Turn and it all out. it's yeah it's <laughs> stuff is is yeah or an extension cord is tied holding something else up into the air that mm-hmm. you're like oh I guess that's the new direction that we're going. Yeah, oh. and like uh, going on the last point, you know, Bob's mentality of building things didn't really, you know, it was more off the cuff stuff that happened. Like nothing was. I mean, to think stuff was planned is yeah. is really. I don't think he, well, anything he made was models planned. Sometimes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times he would just go up. We all like show up on the roof, like say like Monday morning or Cement Land, and he's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna build this thing. It's like a dragon, and then it's a pill, and then the kids go down, and it goes into a big pool of water, and we'll use the big tube. All right, and he'd run away, and we'd be like, what? What yeah. tube? Do you know what he's talking? I guess yeah, I'll get right. the torches. Leaf. Do you know what the tube he's talking? Yeah. Okay, and then sometimes he'd come and be like, this is perfect. Like, this is what? Tear it all out. This is terrible. You know, yeah. it's very like stream of consciousness for him. Because he was an artist and he was just kind of making stuff as he did it. Mm-hmm. And it was our job to speak yeah. Bobbish and kind yeah. of internal. Yeah, well, like the Castle Yeah, because we'd always, it would always be, you know, you had to have like four people there because each one of them got a little bit of the conversation. Right. So I, I think when you all got it together. Don't stand around too long yeah, because he's going to get after you. Yeah. Like, you're scratching your yeah. head too Wait, long. You we all used the tape measure trick. We always when Bob tape measure trick. You always have a tape measure on you. And anytime Bob comes over looking just to arbitrarily start measuring yeah. something, you're like, oh, what's that? It's or, like six and five minutes. Like, stuff up in the air with yeah. the end of it. Like, oh, yeah, that up there. I think this just is a good, nod your good head. point to shout Kurt out. Like, Kurt Nickemeyer is like, and um, – was kind of like the Bob sort of right hand man. I think a lot of that, you know, Cassilis. Like I, I'm still like an awe Kurt. Like I'll go to Kurt like every single day and be like, all right, here's this crazy thing I drew on a napkin. It's like some crazy dragon squid creature. Um, here's like your crew. It's just like a bunch of alcoholic morons I hired off the street. Like here's all your tools. Like Easy. all of them are broken. And here's your <laughs> materials. It's just like all this garbage I've been collecting for years. And when you're done, like little children are going to climb all over. And Kurt would just like deliver on that every day for mm-hmm. 30 years. And like He's I think Bob Bob yeah, is like a man. creative genius, but Kurt is like a construction genius. Like I remember those castles. They built the two castles in the parking lot. I remember talking to Kurt. I was like, so Kurt, how did you like learn how to build castles. He's like, oh, I don't know. You just just read a couple books about castles, Dave. And I was like, yeah, just read a book about castles. Like, bang on some rocks and boom, castle. Yeah, like, it's easy. Yeah. It's like an alpha human, like a slightly higher stage of evolution than everybody else. Like, I mean, just hearing about this, it's just amazing that it worked. And it does work. I mean, 25 years later, like, the proof is in the pudding. Joe, why do you think that this thing that sounds so crazy and the process sounds so crazy, somehow it all came together? I mean, I, it's mainly because of Bob's vision, I feel like, because it, I mean, it, 
when we were building those things, it never seemed like it was coming together. Like it just <laughs> like, true. I mean, every, like, I just remember like talking to Leaf and stuff. We, we were like building the new addition to the treehouse, and it's just like uh, steel everywhere. <laughs> uh, we went over to the river and got a bunch of driftwood and uh, started oh, throwing it on driftwood. stuff. And then you're just sitting there and it's this giant trash yeah. pile that we're just stacking and stacking. And then I'll tell you, we need to dig a hole for a down, you know, a hundred feet to try to make caves again. You and like chiseling that tree yeah. out for like oh, how yeah, long you're yeah, chiseling tree, that tree out. This tree yeah. needs a tunnel. So we're going to yeah. chisel out, but Didn't I think a tunnel it was, yet, but it's going to be a tunnel. Yeah. But, it, but I think he, he always had a vision of his head of what it's going on. And he had a very good eye of how stuff was made. So it's yeah. just like, it, like we were talking about this earlier, but it's just, you know, the, you're just, and you don't really have any time to think about stuff. It's like, you know, the moment you get to sit down and, and like take it all in, uh, he's, you know, he's already, he's, he runs across with a chainsaw and you're like, wait, what's he doing? <laughs> don't know. You know, but then it, I always just like those last days when, uh, uh, we had everything finished. And even if we weren't even like, we were still screwing in, uh, like trees, Bob would be like, all right, I'm opening this place. I don't care. And then start ripping down <laughs> caution tape and, all the kids would give you your, your like little power tools that you hadn't picked up yet, and then and then, yeah. you had, and then, and then we just had the limit. Yeah. Like we are talking today about the amazing story of City Museum, such a wonderful place here in St. Louis, open 25 years. We're talking to three members of the Castley crew that helped make it what it was. Guided by the genius Bob Castley, uh, passed away in 2011. His spirit still lives on. Uh, we're talking today to Joe Backus, also Leif Armentrout, and Dave Bloom. We do need to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. We're also curious to hear your city museum stories. Got a good one? Call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. We are talking today about City Museum, the one and only everyone's favorite museum that isn't really fully a museum, just a wonderful place to play and explore. We're joined today by three members of the Castley crew that helped build it. Uh, that is Dave Bloom. He's also the co-owner of Skate Laborious and Such and Such Farms. We're also joined by Joe Backus, who is today the founder of BLA Studios, and also Leif Armentrout, who is still part of that construction crew at the City Museum today. We have a caller here uh, who has a story for us, I believe. This is Daniel. He's calling from Mexico, not Mexico, Missouri, Mexico, the country. And uh, apparently he worked at City Museum from 2003 to 2012. Daniel, uh, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> is this, do we, we know this, uh, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> so, Daniel, t take us back. What's your City Museum story? Uh, well, there's plenty, and I kind of got distracted by it with what everybody was saying. It's funny to be not in the same room with those guys, but how's it going? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do, do you know, these guys make it just sound like this must have been the amazing, most craziest job ever. Is that about right? Uh, it was pretty good to, you know, graduate college and then become a wild one, become <laughs> a, uh, a cowboy for a little bit. 
<laughs> so yeah, it was it was truly wonderful. There was no script. Uh, I met the three gentlemen that you're hanging out with there, and it was great. Um, there really was no script, and I think the, my biggest takeaway now, zooming out, is is Bob kind of taught all of us is like don't let anybody be teach you to be afraid of your ideas because if you just push for it, it'll kind of come into focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time we were on the. I tried to become right hand man and try to you know, get everybody going on the right thing with all the different projects there. But, you know, Bob was fearless and he wanted to get everything done. And I remember we were trying to hang a panel up on the roof when we were doing the uh, the Ferris wheel and such. Oh, I remember that. And then we were trying to take our time. And I was like, okay, well, we'll make this first and we'll do that first. And he was like, no, it has to happen today. It has to happen today. And I remember him just looking at me and saying, like, you're only nervous because you're scared. I remember <laughs> looking back like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you were scared. <laughs> yeah, but we did it, and everything was always safe, and that was always the fun of it, is making things look dangerous um, and then making all the wonderful things come to life with everybody. Um, and I will say, a lot of that sculpture stuff, when you're talking about, Dave was talking about how Kurt Nickmeyer made all that going, they were, they were boat builders. So Kurt and his dad built boats, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, like, how do you know how to make a dinosaur? He's like, you kind of just make it like a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I could follow that direction, but we should say Kurt, Kurt Nickmeyer, who we've talked about quite a bit today, he was the original Castle League crew member. Mm-hmm. The well, guy who could Kurt execute. And, I mean, yeah. Kurt and Ricky, and, yeah. you know, then there, there's a bunch of folks. Like, yeah. that, a know, bunch of original three, crew Kurt, members. Ricky, yeah. and, you know, yeah. Daniel, and Bobby, and Mary, and, um, I mean, Gary Mollering. And, um, yeah, yeah, because that's like, like we're kind of second-generation Castle crew, yeah, like Daniel. Sure. It's who you were talking to, and Mary and Bobby and Kurt and Ricky. They're kind of like first generation. The OGs, the OGs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah, I always like, because that was when I started, I was like 21 years old. I was I was a kid and uh, had no idea what I was getting into. But yeah, it's just you had so many people to look up to during those times. And it's just like, it, it was just an interesting time to uh, be alive and be a part of something. It was, it was a collection of misfits. Yeah. So, like, it was always wonderful because. All various backgrounds would come together just for the the visuals of of seeing it. And, like, I want to work there. And whether you're a WashU grad or, like, honestly, a homeless person off the street, everyone, Mm -hmm. you always got a chance to carry a bucket. Wow. And if you can carry the bucket, then you could go go further on. I personally lied and said I knew how to weld. Uh, and figured it out. <laughs> wow. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for, for joining us with these memories today. It's so great to hear from one of that that first gen of the Castle crew. We also have a, a question from a caller, and I'm just going to paraphrase this since we have a, a lot of stuff to talk about today. He wants to know what you were planning to do with the St. Louis Arena. Is that something that, that the Castle crew had plans for? Um. So I... I don't know if Daniel might remember some of that. I remember hearing that there was like things where Bob had talked about getting the arena. Proposed some stuff. Proposed some stuff. Daniel, if you're still here, can you you illuminate this? Yeah, from from it was before my time when it was Catholic crew before the museum kind of even manifested. It was kind of like the first trial and shot down of making the city museum. But he wanted to make the the keel uh, into a... Uh, an amusement park, and he basically just like made a model of it, just like he did with our with our rooftop model guys. When the rooftop model was mm-hmm. a little yeah. trash can, the 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 keel was just like a big round thing, and he made put legs on it and a tail and a head, and tried to make the building into a turtle, mm-hmm. and, and 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 basically pitch like, trust me, I'll make this really cool. Yeah, and they, and it was not. And it I was think not. we'll just blow it up instead. <laughs> <laughs> the, the city yeah. did not go for that proposal. Is is basically yeah. what happened? Okay, but well, I think from that. 
from that lesson, that's when he decided to go for Washington Avenue, where 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 real estate was cheap. Yeah. So. Well, that just boy, that seems like a real missed opportunity. And and I think one of the great sadnesses here, I mean, hearing you guys talk about Bob Castle, someone who I never got a chance to meet, and so many people in St. Louis have have such fond memories of. Um, when he died in 2011, he was still in the midst of all this work. Was it hard for the crew to go on yeah, I mean, without just, this guy that had been such a visionary? We just showed up Monday morning and. Found, you know, found in the bulldozer, and it was it was like very sudden and traumatic. And I mean, cement land was crazy. Like you know, nobody worked out there. Like I fell through a roof out there. Everybody, you know, it was really dangerous out there. And so like we always had, you know, it, it wasn't like it was very, but still like very like shocking and crazy. And it was it was it was tough. You know, yeah. it was really tough. Like, Did it take a while for the crew to get your bearings to go back to being able to build and, and do the kind of projects you'd been doing? Well, Uh, uh, well, yeah, but I mean, it's just like the thing with like we keep talking about Kurt Nickemeyer because it's just I mean, he's just the other half of this story of the city museum. But I mean, I think our big realm was of how much trust we had in him to uh, be because, I mean, he he's just basically a. I mean, Bob Castley clone, but a little, probably a little shorter and with a mustache, you know. <laughs> Big mustache. Yeah. Big and, mustache. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, we had all kind of hope, like hope and, and uh, like that he was going to be able to hold on, you know, hold the it, reins, it which he totally for, could. It was hard for a long time. I mean, that yeah. winter afterwards was, we stayed at Cement Land and, you know, that that was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. And yeah. I, I think at, at a certain point, you know, we, uh, sort of the museum, sort of had that like callback, you know, like they we, they were checking in on us and stuff like that. And I think, you know, we eventually sort of ended up well, think I don't know, call, being called back home is the right way yeah. to put a lot it, of but people kind also, of. Yeah, I think a lot of people also know, I'm sure you guys ask all the time, they'd be like, well, you guys are going to finish all of Bob's stuff. You guys are the crew. You guys know what Bob was doing. I'd be like, I don't know that Bob knew what Bob was doing. Yeah. Bob just like did, he just did stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, he didn't like do. necessarily, like he made models though, but he was just sort of like, this div- and it was always super hilarious to me after he died. I remember I think Rick said that people were like putting in applications for Bob's job. And it's like, oh, so you're here for the oh, Da Vinci yeah. and Genius yeah. position? Like, <laughs> right. we'll put your application yeah. in the stack and call you soon. Like, he's not like a replaceable person. Like, yeah. you know, and so being able to like, you know, I think an entire crew of people working as hard as they could even very much struggled to replace him. You yeah. know, and we all worked yeah. with them, you know, intimately every single day. You know, so it's 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 like a it's not like a fillable hole. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. So City Museum has gone through some changes. It ended up being sold in 2019 uh, to Oklahoma City-based Premier Parks, LLC. And I think so many people in town were like, man, things are going to have to change at this point. I mean, you're bringing mm-hmm. in a new owner. Things change. Mm-hmm. It, it's a fact of life. Leaf, have things changed in a big way for the Castle crew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these guys don't work there anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot fewer of you there now. The, yeah, uh, that's very true. There, there are, there are, uh, there are good things to have come out of it. You know, there are, there are some focus changes. There, there's some money going into the things that should have been gone, you know, put money into, uh, quite a while ago, but yeah, the, there's, there's a lot of focus change. There's, um, uh, yeah. Does the building continue? I mean, the, the museum was always changing, always building. Is this kind of like the now the museum is somewhat done? I, I wouldn't say that the the museum is done. Uh, I think that th- things can evolve and change as they always do. But yeah. I mean, I, you know, w- what direction that is, I I can't tell you. Yeah. 
So you guys are now gone, but you're continuing to do this work. And what I think is, is so interesting about this is there was this crew of enormously talented people that all worked together, but now a lot of them are still working in St. Louis. And and Dave, you have come on the show to talk a little bit about what you're doing. What you're doing ties right into what you used to do. Yeah. So like I've, I've, me and some buddies of mine founded Skate Laborious years ago. Um, it was pretty much like a direct thing from inspiration from working with Bob. And this is a, a skate park in an old North in St. An St. Louis old church, church in North St. Louis. Yeah. And then Joe and I, right after the pandemic, started BLA Studios. And so I mean, everyone's out of work. Pandemic and all of our like closest friends, you know, on the on the crew all need to work. So we started. We just started a company. With, and so now we're doing city museum type stuff all over the place. And we've mm-hmm. done we've done some stuff in the Post Dispatch Building. Uh, for Tarwood Group, we've done some stuff in STL Foundry, and I'm um, Joe. Joe can maybe talk more about that. Yeah, like, but give us yeah. a specific, like, what's a, a city museum like work that you've done somewhere else now for, through BLA? Well, I mean, we just had an amazing opportunity to work in the where the Square Hut headquarters is at. Um, is a funny story that me and Leaf actually, when we first start, when we were still at the um, museum, uh, they're pulling down their printing press, and uh, we were going over there and taking stuff to put uh, yeah. on the museum, and. Uh, uh, and so we got to know the project manager there. It's this guy named Kelly, great guy. And uh, um, we just like started, uh, you know, taking stuff out of there. And I ended up building these benches. And I guess uh, the owner of the uh, that bought the building, John Berglund, saw these benches John's and was an just awesome guy. yeah, and was like, wow, we should keep doing this. Uh, and they've been they collected all these pieces of the printing press down in the basement of pallets full of all these yeah. crazy turn of the century parts mm-hmm. of these dogs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's just more of, like, you know, repurposing uh, used materials in an interesting way. Like, we were making benches out of uh, old like electrical a, parts and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a just, real beauty to all those old parts and stuff like this. I remember yeah. Bob was talking about that at one point, like, like the craftsmanship and, like, old machinery and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he was saying the museum thing was. That was something um, – I want to say Kurt told me that, that, like, the name museum and city museum is, like, the Greco-Roman, like, muse is inspiration and am is house of. And so, like, city museum is, like, a house of inspiration made out of parts of a city. Yeah. And that, like, that's the, the reason he called it museum mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah. so by salvaging these these cool things mm-hmm. in addition to the the construction type work you do this is carrying on bob's legacy today yeah i mean but yeah the the thing is with that is just i you know we I, me personally i don't really know anything else that you know this is just kind of i started like i said i started when i was i i was like working on floor staff at the museum and i you know they threw you on the roof with me one day. yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah and that's the thing too is just you know like what daniel was talking about like my like i wasn't even planning on being on the crew i was just working front desk one day and bob came up to me and was like hey you know how to use a shovel get over here and then <laughs> uh and then all of a sudden i was just pouring you know mixing plaster for him and then power washing the side of the building but yeah it's just you know uh working in that kind of mentality for so many years you just kind of get used to it and i don't think a lot of people really see the beauty of like machinery and and you know nothing really has to be thrown away there's always a purpose for something yeah and if if, even if it is just a yeah Yeah. even if it is just a piece of thing to look at and so now we've got other a, a couple other members that were on the crew steve alvarez and greg Toscano and, and, and max and some other guys and so now like for a while you know like people would hit the museum up all the time and be like oh i'd love to have 
Bob and whatever, the crew come over and build my whatever, whatever, and we're not available. Like we're building the city museum and cement land and working for Bob, but now we are available. And yeah. so we've been going all over the place for all sorts of really awesome people who, um, like like John Berglund and uh, Steve Smith with Lawrence, you're building interesting, weird, salvaged item city oh, museum you got people, you stuff. people bugging you from out of state. Yeah. 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 Like, you know. so, so that legacy lives on, and that legacy lives on every day at City Museum. It is still just such a blast to go there. There's so much there. Um, just talking about this today, I am now planning a trip to go back ASAP because you let's guys go. are... I'm going to just peace out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but first, I do want to say thank you to everybody who has joined us today. A particular thanks to Daniel Calling from Mexico. Thanks, Daniel. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Daniel, for, for bringing those memories. Uh, Dave Bloom, owner of uh, Skate Laborious and also Such and Such Farms, oh, and former one, member of the Castle One more thing, if you can, if anybody, you know, for, with BLA Studios, if anyone wants to, like, holler at us, if you have something interesting that you'd like a project you like built, you know, you can go to BLA, BLA as like blah studios.com um, or on Instagram or just email like Dave at BLA Studios or Joe at BLA Studios. BLA Studios.com. Materials too. Yeah, or you yeah. got some cool trash you want to give us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, give us want all your cool, give me your cool trash. We want all your trash. Well, Dave, thank you for joining us. And also Joe Backus, who's the founder of BLA Studios. Thank you. Yes. And Leif Armantrout, uh, still part of the Castle crew at the City Museum. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having us. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather-Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on apple podcasts on the app store it's the simplest way to help people discover our show thanks st louis public radio is a member supported service of the university of missouri st louis Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.